Good morning, everyone. Hello, hello. As you may, as you may have heard, uh, we are going through our sermon series on Philippians. Uh, but what you might not know is that today uh, is going to be a little bit different in our structure. Um, Pastor Darren and I are going to be tag teaming the sermon together. So, um, I'll be taking the first verse of our passage, and then he'll be taking the other three. And so, uh, if you want to read along, you know we don't have our. If you want to read along, we don't have our slides up. So if you just pull out your Bibles or your phone app, you can read along with us in Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 reads, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Dear God, I pray that you would be with me and Pastor Darren today, and that as we deliver your word, um, and that you'd speak clearly through us, and that you'd work mightily this morning. In your name we pray. Uh, so, this past weekend, uh, we had our, our annual youth retreat, our winter vision, and uh, it was loads of, loads of fun for, for me. I got to be behind the scenes, and uh, this year it was online, um, but it was, it was cool because I could see each little, uh, each of our youth's name pop up on, on the Zoom feed, and we had like, a lot of great messages and a lot of uh, fun activities, and uh, this year's theme was, uh, was called, titled Stick With It. And I find that that, that uh, theme is particularly apt, not just for the current time that we're going through, but also because this is uh, Paul's, uh, one of Paul's primary messages to the Philippians. Um, he, he, he spent most of chapter one talking about how, even in the midst of hardship, right, to stick with it, stick with God. And so um, this is where we find ourselves um, entering chapter two. In verse 1, we have four major if statements to reflect on. It says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort in his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, and if any tenderness and compassion. Right? So that's a lot, of, a lot of qualifying statements, and Paul lays these out for the Philippian churches, church to think about, and I think it's important for us as believers to also spend some time um, in our own lives as we reflect on those as we strive to follow Christ. So I'm just going to take you through a few of my reflections um, on these if statements, and hopefully as we talk about them, they will be uh, sparks some reflection for you as well. So the first statement is, if any encouragement from being united in Christ. And so... For me, I was asking myself, what, is, what does this look like? Right? What does encouragement look like? What does united in Christ look like? And I think for me, when I was reading this statement, uh, what came, came to my mind, I was trying to summarize every statement in like two words or less or something, and to, what came to my mind was community care. Right? Uh, I'm part of a few small groups that, uh, where we 
come together to pray and to read the Bible together, and we, we come together for that like express purpose, right? Uh, we, we're unified for that purpose. There's like a lot of, uh, you know, joking around, we eat food, we play games, we, uh, you know, we're silly, uh, but I find that like in those groups I can be encouraged um, because we are there to provide encouragement for one another in, in the good and the difficult times. In particular, like I, uh, a couple months ago, what comes to mind is, is my grandma. She was going through, she's, uh, she's in her, her 90s, so, and she's, so she's getting up there. And she had this like little pain in her toe. And I was like, oh, that, I'm, I'm sorry that, you, that your toe hurts, grandma. Like, but like, I, I was like not worried about it, right? And then um, weeks went by, and then she had, uh, she got went to the doctor's appointment. They're like, uh-oh, this is bad. Like, her whole leg might need to be amputated. I was like, what? That was like such a shock to me, right? Like from, she was losing blood flow to it. And so I was like, uh, I was like, man, like surgery for, for my nine-year-old grandma is gonna be like really hard on her, right? Like, I don't know, like if she can take that, like it's, I was really stressed um, about that. And um, being able to reach out to my, uh, my small group and then have them pray for me was like a really big encouragement um, to me. And I also like um, during the, uh, the prayer, the uh, the prayer, prayer supporters um, in the front of the of the service. I asked Aiko to pray for me, and she said that she not only prayed for me on the spot, but she also uh, every week told me that she was praying for my grandma, and that and for the next five weeks she checked in with me. Hey, how's she doing? How's she doing? How's she doing? And um, that was like such. A, I felt so loved and encouraged in what otherwise would have been a stressful time. And by God's grace, that God healed her. Right? She like. Was, uh, recovered nicely, and, and there's uh, there's so much joy I think that I and, and encouragement that it came from that unity of community. You can't spell community without unity. Yeah. Um, and so my question for you is: Have you experienced uh, this kind of, of of love? Have you experienced this kind of encouragement from community? Uh, the second if statement is: If any comfort in His love. If any comfort in his love. And when I thought, when I reflected on this, I thought of God's provision. What are some ways that God has provided for us materially, or so that like we're living in comfort? Right? We might not always feel like we have the next greatest, latest and greatest thing, but, but God has provided for so many of us in, in abundance of, of possessions, right? We are blessed to be a blessing. Um, he has also blessed us um, emotionally, spiritually, and relationally, right? How is how has he helped us to cast our anxieties on him because he knows that, that uh, because we know that he cares for us. And again, I think of, of, of uh, God's love shown most clearly through community and how I felt so much comfort from that. And so that has provided me a great deal of comfort knowing that the people of God have my back and they're praying for me. And so the question I have for this one is, how has God provided you comfort, whether through uh, Providing in his provision, whether through uh, relationships or through possessions, etc. How has God helped you experience his love greater? Um, our third if statement is if any sharing in the spirit. Um, and this one was a, a little confusing for me. I wasn't sure exactly what Paul was talking about. And so I went to another. Uh, Part of scripture in which Paul talks about sharing in the spirit, and I found 1 Corinthians 12, in which he says, For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. 
Even so, the body is not made up of one, but of many. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is dishonored, if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. And so, like, I, like from this passage, I should start to see like radical like equality, right? Um, there, there was, there was slaves, there was free people, but it didn't matter, right? They came together, they were united in Christ. It doesn't matter what our worldly status is anymore. And sharing in the spirit means that every part of the body is just as important as the other. And when the body functions as it should, like it can do incredible things. Like athletes can, you know, you see the Olympics and how they, they jump, they train, they, they bobsled, all of that, right? And so um, I think when, to be the hands and feet of God, right, typically means that, you know, we do, we go where God wants us to go, we do what God wants us to do, but the, if it's just hands and feet, right, it can't do anything on its own. It's, it's just creepy. It's just like disembodied hands or disembodied feet, right? We, we need the other supporting parts of the body, right? And so if our first statement was focused on community care, right, I think this, to me, speaks to community uh, service, or put, to put it more accurately, to community in service for the kingdom, or a community lived out. Um, a community that values all its parts and functions together can accomplish great things for the Lord. So the question I have for us today is, how do you, uh, how do you have shared in the spirit with other believers? And are you honoring all parts of the body? Are you rejoicing uh, with each other and mourning with each other? Are we living out our faith um, in service of the kingdom? The last if statement that we have is, if any tenderness and compassion if any tenderness and compassion. And so, um, which leads me to think of God's heart and character for us. Is God moving and softening like your heart towards, towards him? And are the things that you used to think, like the, the attitudes you used to have, uh, the relationships you used to have like friction with, right? Is God changing those um, and transforming them? Is, is God changing and transforming you? Um, and as we've gone through these four if statements, like I hope, I hope the answer is, is yes, that these things are true of you and that you've seen evidence of these statements in your life and you've seen God working in your life. Um, if I was reading these statements casually, like I would have assumed that these questions from Paul were rhetorical, right? That the answer is, is supposed to be yes, right? And like, of course, like, and then I would just move on without giving it a second thought. Um, but since I had time to sit with this passage and I, I realized if I was honest with myself, like, the answer in reality is that uh, it's not always yes. In fact, it's, it's, more, it's, some, it's more often no for me sometimes during this season. Like, community care is, is really hard. I don't want to burden other people with my issues. And uh, I don't, I'm not always in the space to take on other people's issues sometimes. Um, sometimes I get really sad and I, I'm, I don't find comfort uh, in God all the time, even though I know that he loves me. Um, sometimes, I have disagreements with my fellow Christians, and uh, I foster, instead of fostering a shared spirit, I foster a spirit of grumbling or gossip or negativity. And sometimes uh, my heart is hard and, and not tender because the pandemic is exhausting. <laughs> and um, last time I was tenderhearted or compassionate, like I felt like I was taken advantage of, and I don't want to like be hurt like that again. 
And so, like, sometimes I feel like I'm owing for it on these statements rather than, uh, like, a perfect Christian. And if you're, um, if you're in that space today, I'm sorry. Like, my heart hurts for you. Um, but I think the encouragement that we can take away from, from, from this is that wherever we are, in, whether we feel like we're doing great or we feel like we're, we're really having a hard time with these, these statements, is that Paul follows up the if with an important word, which is any, right? If, if any tenderness and compassion, if any comfort and love, if any sharing, right? It's like a teensy-weensy bit, even if like, you feel the tiniest bit, right? That's, that's enough, right? And you might feel like that's an incredibly low bar, but I think that's the point. I'm reminded that Jesus said that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, that you can, you can move mountains. Um, and if God can move mountains with, our, with the teensiest bit of our faith, right, how much more so right, can he uh, move mountains with our less than perfect progress in any of these if statements? God is sufficient in our weakness, and he shines all the more brightly when we aren't strong in our own, uh, in our own strength. If you couldn't confidently answer yes to these if statements, that's okay. We don't need to be model Christians that can check off all the boxes or to be confident in our own abilities. We can be confident in, in Christ. Um, I, I shared uh, a little bit earlier about Winter Vision and our, uh, our theme of stick with it. Um, and the theme verse that was chosen uh, was Philippians 1.6, which says that... Um, being confident of this, that he, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And so my prayer for us is that as we think about these if statements, that uh, we may be confident, uh, not in our own works, but in Christ's work on the cross, that he will continue the good work that he has started in us as we continue to grow and trust in him. Right, now I'll pass it on to Pastor Derek. Unusual, very unusual format. But this is a very unusual Sunday. <laughs> it's been a very unusual week. Um, and uh, I appreciate Stephen because, you know, he really had the harder part of these four verses. Um, he, you know, his was all focused on the one verse. And, and it's, it's a reflection. It's truly a reflection, right? If you see what Paul is writing. Um, and so, um, I'm happy that Stephen and I are tag teaming on this. Uh, you know, there's a risk that this doesn't work very well, that this falls flat. There's a risk that it's disjointed or it doesn't, you know, it doesn't come together as, as one message. Um, but I, I wanted to, to take that risk. I wanted us to, to try and do this together because I think this is what Paul is saying, right? It's so easy for us to do things on our own to try and act independently of one another, just to rely on ourselves. And I think Paul is, is giving a message to the Philippians to work together, to be of one mind, right? And to act as one. You know, what we see here in the passage is basically an if-then statement. 
Right? Some of you might be familiar with if-then statements. If you program computers, I think if you write code or software, or if you, if you design spreadsheets and, and build, build macros, it says if a certain condition is true, right, then this is what you should do. For example, if it rains, then we should stay inside. Right? If there's traffic, then we should leave early. So Paul is using logic and reason here. And Stephen started us with the four if statements. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from His love, if you have experienced any common sharing in the Spirit, and if you have any tenderness and compassion, then Paul says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Christ loves the church. The church is his bride. Ephesians 5.27 says that he wants to present her as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or blemish, holy and blameless. Therefore, Christ, he relentlessly seeks its purity and its unity. That's why unity is such, such a, a constant theme in the New Testament. So I just want to be clear here as we look at Philippians 2. The unity that Paul is calling us, calling for, is specifically among believers. God reserves a special bond of oneness for his people. That's why it's if then. It's conditional. Only if you have experienced these things. See, non-Christians, they cannot honestly say that they've been united with Christ, right? They can't say they share in His Spirit. So in this passage, we're not talking about getting along with everybody. We're talking about getting along with each other, with the body of Christ. So in verse 2, what Paul says is make unity a priority. See, unity is not something that just happens. It's not the end result of just being together. It requires intentionality. In a sense, it's premeditated. It's like when you when you like someone, right? And, and you're trying to trying to get them to notice you, or you're trying to get on their radar. And you remember those days, right? When you spend hours trying to trying to figure out where they're going to be and, and how you can see them or how you can accidentally bump into them, right, also known as stalking. <laughs> right, yeah, I, I, I did that, right, to try to get Renee. <laughs> but it, it takes being deliberate. Now that's my point. <laughs> Paul here is employing the, imploring the church to commit to unity and to harmony 
together. Right? This needs to be a spoken priority because while we may all love God, we're all very different. Right? Just look around. We come from different backgrounds, different cultures, different beliefs. We vary in age, ethnicity, social and political perspective. If it weren't for Jesus, we probably wouldn't be together, some of us. I hope you can see the beauty in that. That Christ transcends it all. I know we feel like we're living in a divisive time. And I think, I think that we are. But Paul was also writing during a very contentious time. The political and social climate was hostile. Yet he says in Ephesians 4 to a church that is experiencing division and conflict. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Our oneness in Christ, it takes precedent. You don't come to church to see if everybody is like you or if everybody holds the same opinions as you do. And then decide whether you're going to be a good brother or sister. That's what the world does. Right? It tries to discern, okay, who's in my camp? Who's the enemy? That's what people do who don't know Christ. The goal is unanimity, not uniformity. Paul says, commit to unity first. Then in verses 3 and 4, Paul describes the attitude that makes unity possible. He says, practice humility and practice selflessness. Value others above yourself and look to the interests of others. This is a radical statement. It's a radical statement now. It was a radical statement then. See, in the Greco-Roman world, two things people sought most were honor and reputation. Right? Like in the movie Gladiator. Honor and reputation, not humility. You might show humility to God or to the emperor because they have the power to take your life. But you didn't show humility to your peers. In fact, humility before others was often associated with failure and with shame. But Jesus sought to change that. See, today we live in a much more PC society. But the attitudes, they're similar. Because man's hubris doesn't change. We still want pride, we still want status, we still want reputation. We want others to look up to us and to envy us. We want the best seat at the table. But Paul says if we have been united with Christ, and if we share in his suffering and his love, then we should be able to exercise humility and selfless, selflessness to one another. 
As I thought about humility and selflessness and what that looks like today, in our divisive environment, in our troubling times with the pandemic, like Daniel put it so well, where we're unable to just be together side by side, right? what, is, what does humility and selflessness look like? Two applications came to mind. One, learn to defer to one another. Learn to defer to one another. I would ask you in the coming days and weeks to take to heart what it means to defer to the other. See, when we live in community, when we live in fellowship with one another, inevitably there will be times when you think something should be done differently or you have a different opinion of how it's supposed to work. It happens all the time, and you may not be wrong, but I want you, I think God wants us to practice deferring to each other. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. There are similar wording to, to Philippians. But other translations say, Give preference to one another. Respecting others' opinions, though they might be different from yours. And here's the key. Not pushing to get your own way. It's a Christ-like quality. And that unites the second thing that God put in my heart was to listen to each other. This is something God has been teaching me recently. And I'm not, you know, I'm not very good at it, but I've been struck that listening to others, especially at this time of pandemic, right, where we can't see each other all the time, where we can't even go to each other's house, or it's not appropriate, or we're not comfortable. That 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 makes sense, but listening to each other is one of the best ways we can put others' interests above our own. You know, it's a challenge these days to know how to love and to serve one another. But each of us has joys and has struggles and has laments that need to be shared. As Stephen shared this verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, if one member of the body suffers, all suffer with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So as an application, I want you to think of one or two people in the church that you could call this week. And I want you to put it on your to-do list and to call, not just text or email, not just one-way communication, but to call voice to voice. Ask them how they're doing. Then just listen and pray for each other. Right? I know some of you already do this. I think if we, if we do this together, I think the Lord will be pleased. You know, Stephen started us with the Apostle Paul's condition. Are you united with Christ? Because that's where it starts. Let me, let me just close with this one story, and it's just an excerpt from the story that comes from this, the Center for Faith and Culture. They were unlikely friends. One man had betrayed his family and culture to work for the corrupt, overbearing government. 
they despised. His old friends now counted him among thieves and murderers. They even refused to worship with him. His associate was part of an anti-government movement. This occasionally militant group aspired to wage war against the government and return to the glory days when their culture and their religion ruled. These men had little in common, and they should have been enemies. But they decided to lay aside their past and their politics to work together for the common good. This story sounds naive and unrealistic. In today's divisive world, everything is divided into camps of red and blue, black and white. We can't even imagine a scenario in which two people this different could find a way to work together. But this is no made-up story. This is a story of Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot, two of Jesus' twelve disciples. Matthew and Simon could not have been more different in the old career, in their old career, in his old career, Matthew worked a well-paying job as a tax collector for the Roman government, and his Jewish peers despised him. Simon the Zealot was a Jewish nationalist who vehemently upheld Jewish traditions and culture. Matthew had worked for the government. Simon wanted to burn it down. They could not have been more different. But Jesus called both of them, along with 10 other unqualified disciples, and for the better part of three years, they spent every day beside each other. Together they learned at Jesus' feet. Together they huddled in a crowded fishing boat as Jesus calmed the storm. Together they watched Jesus cure lepers, give sight to the blind, cast out demons, and raise the dead. Together, they heard Jesus teach with life-changing power and authority. Together, they saw him unjustly arrested, tried, beaten to a pulp, and nailed to a cross. Together, they witnessed him after he rose from the grave, nail-scarred hands and all. So while Matthew and Simon had starkly different past, they learned to get along. They learned to minister together. Not because they completely agreed on every matter, but because the Jesus they had in common was more important than the issues that sought to divide them. See, today, we, we need to remind ourselves of Matthew and Simon's story. And we need to heed Paul's words to be united, to not be divided, to value each other above ourselves, to defer to one another, to listen to each other, and to live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, before I close in prayer, I'll just ask the worship, worship team to come forward and for the worship counselors to come forward. And as we do in Sunday, um, during the closing song, we invite you, uh, if you would like prayer, feel free to uh, come up and to pray with our prayer counselors. They would love to pray with you and for you. Let's go before the Lord in prayer.
Father God, we, we submit ourselves to you, Lord. You are above all and through all and in all. And we just re really, Lord, want to acknowledge that. We want to um, recognize that in our lives. And we ask, Lord, that you would then bind us together. Lord, I pray uh, that you would help us to set aside our selfishness and our pride. It, it, it's in all of us, Lord. We pray that you would forgive us. You would help us, Lord, to take steps to, um, to see and value each other, Lord, more than ourselves. To look and see others as you see them, Lord, as important and as valuable and as worthy to love. And that we would take steps to do that, Lord. Thank you for each person here, Lord. We pray that you would continue to help us in our struggles and our difficulties. We pray that you would be glorified. 